Let's, um, let's pray together. God, as that song kind of talks about entering into unsure times, taking next steps when we, when we can't see the future, when we don't know what we're up to, let alone what you're up to. We want to have that steady faith. We want to hold tight. And we want to run. God, tonight, would you um, speak to us through your word? Would you give us what we, we need, maybe to take that next brave step? In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, so we are starting this new series called, let's go back one, there it is, Easter Exclamations. And um, so we're going to talk about what that is a little bit. For these next few weeks, as Murph kind of said, we're going to zero in on, on Jesus' story. You know, when we think of the life of Jesus, for the most part, of, I think a lot of us go, you know, I know about the birth because we celebrate that at Christmas. And then I remember they ran away to Egypt and then they came to Nazareth. And then, and then we know there's this period where the Bible's kind of silent about Jesus until he's almost like 30 years old or something, right? And then we have about three, maybe a little longer years of, of Jesus' ministry that Scripture records. And almost all of our, t- you know, if it's not Christmas time, most of what we hear is at church is we pick out teachings of Jesus, experience of Jesus, healings of Jesus from here and there, and we don't get necessarily a context of order to Jesus. And a lot of us couldn't write out kind of a timeline of, of his ministry. And so if I just kind of give you a quick overview, and it's a very quick one, some of us will remember it started with a wedding in Cana, almost like Jesus didn't want to, you know, when it started, his mom, there's this wine problem, and Jesus' mother comes and goes, hey, can you solve this? And he's like, it's not my time, and yet he still solves it, and the next thing he's doing is calling the disciples when you start reading through, through Scripture. And then miracles and teaching and Jesus' popularity starts to grow over the next few years. There's some ups and downs with that. There's confrontation. There's drama. There's, there's all kinds of experiences in that section. And then we get near the end of Jesus' life. And this, too, is actually kind of a short period of time where it leads towards the death and the, the accusations, the trial of Jesus, his, his time in the tomb, the three days, and then his resurrection and ascension, and then um, the promise of returning as the church continues. Right? And so that's kind of the overview. What we're going to do is we're going to circle in on that last part for these next next three weeks together. We're going to take a look at things that led um, towards that, that persecution, accusation, trial of Jesus, his death on the cross, and, and his resurrection together as we, as we get ready for Easter. So that's the, that's the Easter part of our title, right? The exclamations part of the title may be just a little more complex to, to explain to you. Um, it seems like Lori and I, when we do things and travel and have experiences, we come up with phrases sometimes that we just have to say that phrase and it means a lot more than the sentence, right? So I'll give an example. There's a phrase that I say, if I say to Lori, it won't mean anything to you, by the way, because it's always an insider thing, right? If I say to Lori, the crack of the bat, right? She'll, she'll look at me and she knows exactly who I'm thinking of. It's Peter LaTourette. Peter LaTourette that Lori and I met when we did a camp out in New Hampshire when we were just like 22 years old. We were directing this camp. Peter LaTourette was from like New York City, the Bronx, and he was a fan of the Yankees, right? So he would say, hey, Doug, what's the most beautiful music in the world? And I'd say, what? He'd go, the crack of the bat. 
<laughs> that was his deal. So whenever we think of that, we think of New Hampshire, we think of driving around there, we think of Peter Latourette, we think of some of his rough friends that we, we knew. Here's, here's another one. Strange breed of man, right? A strange breed of man. Won't mean anything to you. I mean, it's, it's a weird sentence, but, but when we were down in the Dominican Republic as house parents, we had this counselor, and I don't know who said it, but this guy, Bruce, right? Bruce was just a different kind of guy, different kind of pace. I can't even describe Bruce to you because someone said it well. They said he was a... Yeah, he was a strange breed of man, you know? And, and so it's, it becomes sort of a, a thing that we remember. I'll give you one more. There's this phrase called, or this word called Lazarus. And I know it's in the Bible, and actually we're going to look at Lazarus tonight, but for Lori and me, we named one of our cars Lazarus. And that's about all you need to know about that car. It says, it says so much more than just the name of a car, right? It said what it was in need of and what it was hoping for, what it was looking for, and what we prayed for quite frequently with that car, all right? So tonight, when we look through, or the series, when we look through at these exclamations, they're going to be things that, that for many of us who know Scripture, it pops up and we go, I know exactly what Doug's going to be talking about. And for others of us, we may not have a hook yet, to, to hang it on. We may not know where it's going. It may be kind of a blind date. So when I say, let's go die, some of you know exactly. You, 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 the verses, you can almost see them in your mind that we're going to be looking at, but others in this room are going, I don't know what that means. So we're going to look at that together. And this is really the starting point for Jesus', Jesus journey to the cross. No, I know that the starting point was his birth. He knew where he was going the whole time. But if, if you just look at his ministry, you go, where did the corner get turned from good times and teaching and miracles to this is getting dangerous and Jesus is heading towards the cross. So you need to know that it's about one to three months, we're not sure, before Jesus actually is going to be crucified. And, and at that time, he was living in Perea, which um, if you look at this map up here, you can see, I always look over here because when they take the picture, that's where the slide is. So it looks kind of silly to me to look over here to black. All right, so here you go. Jerusalem, <laughs> that was for Rebecca's benefit. Jerusalem, you can see it's underlined. And then Bethany is, you need to know that's just what, within two miles of Jerusalem at this time, right? Perea is the area that I have a circle next to the, to the river of Jordan there. Um, going up. So you can see the Perea at the bottom a little bit. You're missing the P, but you get the idea. And that's where John the Baptist, in that region where John the Baptist w- was baptizing. When, whenever you show a map like this of this area, you don't get, I just want to show you one more map because you need to see that it's not even level terrain. It's hillary, mountainous, rough terrain. There are no roads at that time. There's only trails and well-worn paths to, to kind of go on. So Jesus was in the wilderness of Perea um, near the river and away from Bethany, and that'll come to play in a little bit, and of course, Jerusalem. So we're, we're looking at John chapter 11 is where this can come out of. Now, tonight, just to give you a heads up, you're going to see more. We've taken the largest package of Scripture that I think I've ever taught in tonight. So if you have your phones and you want to travel along, you can feel free to, to, do, to do that, because I don't see many Bibles. If you have your Bible, open John 11. Um, otherwise, you can just watch the screen and read along with me as we go through. The second thing you need to know is that last night I spent all the time getting these verses just right on the screen, and then I got it all done. I got here this morning, ready to go, and I found out that I used a different translation than I normally use. So, oh no, this couldn't, it will still be God's word. Yes, it's, it's the NIV. So some of you are going, finally, God's real word. And, 
And, uh, and others of you were saying, no, 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 I finally got used to the NLT. So um, just it's, it really comes close, so it's not going to be a problem. All right, John 11, here's, here's the text, and it's like the whole chapter. Ready? Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, right? So that's within two miles of Jerusalem. It's like suburb time, right? Uh, the, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So he, 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 there's three of them. There's Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Again, many of you have all those those words bring stories to your mind of, of them. So this is Mary, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So that's a really interesting thing that John did there. He put that into the text in parentheses, but he hasn't even told that story yet. That story comes out in John chapter 12. So he's assuming that his reader kind of knows some of these things, but but this is going to be Mary who will show up in chapter 12, wiping and, and then Moses or uh, excuse me, Judas gets all upset because it's real expensive perfume, and Jesus said, well she's preparing me for my burial. Nobody has a clue about that. But that's chapter 12. We're not talking about that tonight. So verse three. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Now remember, Jesus is in Perea. They're in Bethany, right? He's in the wilderness. And so they send somebody to go tell him what's going on. Um, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So, and this comes out later on, but Jesus had a very close relationship with his family. You know, it's, it, it's not like the ones he loved the most, but something, something was special. He, he stayed with them. It was kind of like a home base for him. And they had this kind of sweet relationship. And, and, and he and Lazarus had a special relationship. The one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this is important, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now this, you have to picture this, he's speaking to the servant who delivered the message, right? So the servant goes, okay, Jesus said it's not going to end in death. And the servant turns around and heads back to, to, to Mary and Martha and to Lazarus. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, Mary, I don't know why he didn't put her name there, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, what do you do? When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That is so not expected, right? If, if you heard that someone you loved was in the hospital and deathly ill, you'd go, oh, you know, um, that really hurts. I'm going to wait two more days before I go visit. No, no one does that. But Jesus did because he's under different leadership than maybe you and I are under. At least he, he knew what, exactly what God was doing. So he stayed where he was two more days. The disciples only heard him say, this isn't going to end in death. So that's good. So, okay, so we're staying two more days. That's, that's good. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Right, which is the area where Bethany and Jerusalem are. That's the whole region of Judea. He's in that little red circle up there. So he's going to, to, to Bethany and Jerusalem in Judea. Kind of a rough two-day walk. Disciples have a problem. They looked at him and said, but Rabbi, teacher, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back? Can we, can we talk about this a little bit? We don't think this is a good idea. You said he wasn't going to end in death, so, so why, do you have to, why do we have to go there? Right? So when I read that, I thought, well, I don't remember people trying to stone Jesus. 
And then I looked it up. If you look in John just a couple chapters earlier, Jesus is saying to the, to the people he's teaching, he's talking about um, Abraham and Moses. And he says, you know what? Before Abraham, I was. Right? This is, this is blasphemy. This is only God was before Abraham. And, and, the, and, and then when the Jews heard that, it says at this point in John 8, 59, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. So what I'm thinking is, this was a very traumatic experience for the disciples. Right? There were real rocks being picked up. Their lives are really in danger. They're going to start throwing. And they're like, we, we, we don't want to go back. And so when he says, hey, we're going back, what do you, what they were trying to stone you just the other day. Do we really want to go back there? Jesus answered, this is sort of enigmatic, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Yes. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. In other words, if you, if you travel at night and you're not on smooth terrain, you're going to fall, you're going to trip, you're going to stumble, you're going to have a hard time. But in the daytime is the time to see, and you can, you can travel, travel safely. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And that's all he says, which, which seems very obscure. But what he was trying to say was, trust me, I'm the light. Trust me, you won't stumble and fall. You don't have to be afraid. You're with, if I say let's go there, you're with me. Let's, I, I'm, I'm going to be the light for you. After he said this, he went on to kind of explain to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Right? And, and I think, it's easy to say the disciples are clueless, but they didn't have air quotes back then. Right? Because what Jesus probably said was something like, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Right? Because he wasn't asleep. His disciples replied, well, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And it looks like a dumb moment, but they, they just didn't put it together, what he was saying, and they didn't want to go there. So, hey, if he's only sleeping, it's not a problem. He's probably healing up. He was very, very sick. Jesus had been speaking, though, of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Right? And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Isn't that a strange thing? Jesus intentionally stayed put so Lazarus could die. Why? You look at this verse, and it looks like Jesus is saying, for the sake of his disciples. For the sake of his followers, he allowed Lazarus to die. Another follower of his, another believer in him, but he allowed him to die. And for your sake, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe, but, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Right? In other words, let's go die with him. Let's go die. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They didn't understand that light reference. They didn't understand that it was going to be okay for them. They thought, this is it. This is it. Going with Jesus meant dying. It meant risk. They did not, it was like the song saying, hey, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to follow you. Your grace is going to lead me. My faith is going to follow. But I don't know what's coming. And it looks really dark. And I'm really afraid and this looks like, I mean, Thomas and I think the disciples in general, they thought this was going to end very, very badly. 
So at his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Right? He knew he, he, knew he was dead. Jesus knew all this, right? He knew that he probably actually died before the servant went home or on the way the servant was going back. Right? So that got me thinking about stuff we don't normally Google. Body decomposition timeline. Right? So four days, what were they going to find if they would... He's been dead for four days. What, what happens? And I read all this for four days, and I, what I really learned is I cannot talk about it because many of you would be offended by the graphic nature of what, what actually happens. Here's what I will tell you. Within the first 24 hours, um, seven to 72 hours, our internal, after death, our internal organs turn in on themselves and the cells just break down and they're, they're dead. Right? And, and within day four, bloating with gases has begun. And some bodies, if you left on, you know, we, we, we don't have much experience with this, right? Because we send it to the undertaker and he takes care of all these things. But, but if you just left it out, the body could actually blow it out twice its normal size from all the gases involved. And the escaping of the gases, if, if, you, if there was a body rotting somewhere, the escaping of the gases is what creates that smell that people go, something's dead. This, we got to do something. This smells horrible, right? And so, so Jesus is going the Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to, to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in their loss of their, of their brother. In other words, people who actually lived in Jerusalem, you know, their friends, came to, to see them um, in Bethany to, to comfort them. And the Jewish tradition of wailing together, crying together, lamenting together. They embrace their emotions. You know, we, we go by a coffin and we look and we go, oh, it really looks nice. You know, they didn't do that. They just, ah, kind of moment. They, they didn't hold back. It was their way of encouraging each other, supporting each other. So there was a bunch of women there that were, were crying and a bunch of people there to support. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, you know, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home, which is kind of interesting, isn't it? Martha says, I'm going to go meet him on the road. But Mary says, I'm not going. I'm not sure, was that it? Maybe, maybe We don't tell us the attitude, but I kind of picture it. Or I can't go. I just can't see him right now. Kind of moment. So he went, Martha goes and sees him. And Lord, Martha said to Jesus, this is it. If you had been here. How many times do you think Martha and Mary said that to each other after Jesus, after, after their brother died? If Jesus would have been here, if only Jesus would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. He healed the, li- the lame. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. He, Jesus did miracle after miracle for all these people that he didn't even know them. He loves our brother. And he's not here, and he died. If he, would have, if he only would have been here. So the first thing out of Martha's mouth, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I really wish we had video so we could know tone of voice. Is she mad? Is she sad? Is she crying? But there's a faith statement she makes that's intriguing. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And I don't know exactly what she's implying there. Maybe it, maybe it is to bring him back to life, but four days. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the, in, in the resurrection at the last day. Right? That's my faith. You've kind of talked about eternal life, Jesus. And I believe that in the end, in the last days, the dead will rise and 
my brother will be there, so thank you for that encouragement. Right? Have you ever, by the way, have you ever gone through a really hard time and heard Christian cliches and they just don't satisfy your pain? <laughs> That's what she thought Jesus was doing. Hey, he'll rise again. You know, and, yeah, I know he will in the last day. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I'm the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Not as, you know, he's talking about spiritual. Never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into this world. So that's Martha's encounter. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. The teacher's here, she said, and, and he's asking for you. I won't go. All right? He's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So he's kind of waiting around for, for Mary to show up. And when the Jews who were, came to grieve with Mary, uh, with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. So they're just, well, she's going to go to the tomb. We've got to go hold her up. She can't do this alone. And they kind of go with her. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, if you know, don't say, but can you guess what she said? Lord, if you had been here, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. And I know what tone of voice she had. She was just crying. Because the next verse tells us when Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews that had come along with her were also weeping. That's probably an understatement. Wailing. Making a big commotion. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept too. So here's my question. Why was Jesus weeping? He set this whole stinking thing up. Right? I mean, come on. Your your friend Lazarus is dying. Oh, I love him so much. Let's wait two more days. He allowed him to die. He allowed him to go four days in the grave. He knew what he was going to do. Why was he weeping when he was in control of the whole thing? And the the only answer I can come up with is because he was experiencing death without hope. Not that he didn't have hope, but he was experiencing vicariously through them. They're wailing, they're weeping, everything going on was, was because they had death without any hope. Even that resurrection thing was very fuzzy for them. There were two groups of theologians arguing about whether there was going to be a resurrection or wasn't going to be a resurrection. Who got resurrected? Right? It wasn't the kind of clarity we have. They didn't have Jesus to go to. He is the resurrection. He rose from the dead. He said he's coming back. He will all get to join them if we're believers. We didn't, he didn't, they didn't have that theology. He's dead. He's gone. He's not coming back. We know what death looks like. We deal with it. When someone dies, we wrap them up. We put them in the hole. We put the rock in front of it. Four days dead, we know what four days dead looks like. 
experiences you and I never will have. And as they're crying, he experiences this grief without any hope. And the Jews said, see how much he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is Jesus. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By the, I don't know if he lost his name. He's just the dead man now, the sister of Lazarus. By this time, there's a bad odor. Right? We got the stone there. It's sealed up nice and tight. We, we don't, Jesus, we, gonna, this is going to be bad. He said four days to bloat. You know, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone so they could see the glory of God, right? Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, the disciples and the other people, that they may believe that you sent me. Remember, this whole thing is taking place for the sake of the disciples, the followers, for people could believe. This is why he allowed this horrible thing to happen, so that people could believe, so that he could do this miracle. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And I don't understand this next sentence. The dead man came out. No, it should have been the guy who was dead before came out. But now he's alive. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet were strapped in strips of linen, cloth around his face. How did he see? But he came out. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. He's all bound up. You can release him. He's alive. Now, now, think about what happens to the body within 24 to 72 hours and four days. Would it have mattered if Jesus would have waited two more weeks? There's no difference between four days and four weeks. There's no, sometimes people worry about what will happen to our bodies if we get cremated or if we die in a fire or at sea or if wild animals rip us apart and take when the body's scattered in the resurrection. They're all worried about that stuff. There's no problem here for God. Just, this is for free. You can just settle down. Whatever, whatever you choose, how do you choose to be buried someday or what you do with your body, it's not going to impact God's ability to restore you. It's okay, because if he can do four days, he can do anything. Jesus said, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Well, if all these people are there, this is like a little mini gathering, a lot of people to support, all the friends, all the neighbors, and they see this Jesus moment, and they're following, and they see this happen. What are they going to do next? They see all this, and they go back to Jerusalem. What do they do? They tell that, wouldn't you? I mean, some of us are going, yeah, but I'm not. No, wouldn't you? If you actually saw it, wouldn't you tell somebody? Wouldn't you tell them? Wouldn't you put it on Facebook at least? <laughs> right? Some video. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. The guys who were going to stone Jesus. Some of them went to those guys and told them what he had, he had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting. This is where everything's going to turn. 
of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? In other words, we, we got some problems here. This Jesus, look what he's doing. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs, miraculous signs. If we go, if, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation because he's going to cause this uprising. He's going to say he's the king and then Romans are going to squash us. And we're going to lose our positions, fellow Pharisees, religious leaders, elite, rich and happy and fat in the religious system that we've developed. Right? Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, it changes every year, spoke up. <laughs> you know nothing at all. And this might be the most amazing sentences coming up. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than, the whole, than that the whole nation perish. That's, a, that's the most remarkable verse. He's just talking about what he thinks is true, and it is true. It's better for one person to die than, than you know, if you're a Star Trek fan, the, the good of the many outweigh the, the needs of the few, or the one. Right? And that's what he's saying. He said, this is good. One guy dies. But when he was saying it, he was speaking the truth at a theological level. Because Jesus is going to be that one who dies for the sake of everyone. It's not just a nation. In fact, John goes on to kind of fill in the blanks. He says, he did not save this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied, not even knowing he was prophesying, that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for the Jewish nation, but also for the scattered children of God, everyone, around the, everywhere, around the world, scattered, to bring them together and to make them one. To bring them back. The fulfillment of God's promises to save the world. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. We've turned a corner. Before, they had a couple of attempts. They were angry with him, pick up some rocks. Now, they're scheming, they're planning, they're meeting, they're organizing. What are we going to do? How are we going to get them? And, and this is within three months of his death. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved publicly among the people of Judea. He changed his activities. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the, near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So he's an outcast now. And you can see Ephraim at the very top northern part there. That's the region that he was, he was in. Right? And that's the story of, of, of John 11. Now, we're not finished yet, but before we, before we wrap it up, I want to take you beyond the text. You ever notice that when you read Scripture, it's nice to have someone explain it, but when you read Scripture, we read it, and it's, we know all the answers, and we, we're reading it like it's an intellectual thing, but that's not how it was experienced. And so there's, I want to give you a taste maybe of, of a richer taste of what that experience might have looked like to, to Lazarus and to his sister. Watch this. Lazarus, come out! Finally, my brother has risen. I was getting worried about you again. How long was I out? Don't be mad, but... What? We welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem yesterday. Mary, why didn't you wake me? I brought you back palm branches, though, to keep. 
Mary. I wanted to let you rest. You barely slept at all since... Life is a little different when you've been brought back to it. Maybe so, but I still need you to rest. No, sister. I need to be where he is. I know you think you need to go out and find him right at this moment. But Lazarus, I need you to take care of yourself. I can't lose you again. Tell me everything. What, what was it like? Uh, did, did he preach? Uh, did he perform miracles? Um, how many people were there? <laughs> <laughs> well, there were people everywhere. Mm -hmm. He rode in on a donkey. Oh. And the road was covered in cloaks and palm branches. And everyone was shouting, Hosanna in the highest. We must have done that for hours. I bet they could hear us all the way in Galilee. <laughs> you know, after you died, I was so mad at Jesus. At Jesus? Mary. I was dead, and now, now I'm alive. And it is only because of him. But he knew that you were And in that moment, I felt like you were dead because of him. Until I wasn't. And it was in that moment mm -hmm. that I realized that Jesus was everything we needed. <laughs> everything I needed. But nothing I expected. Yes, Mary, yes. He did not come here riding on a triumphant horse for glory. Or to be allies with the powerful. He is power. He is glory. He is triumph. He's a king. But one that actually loves his people. Oh. He is a king that will go into death to save us. To stand in front of us. To call us out of our grave clothes. And to offer this life that only he can offer. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. He's the one. He is the king. And he's come to save us all. All right, so let's wrap it up by asking this. Why is this story so important? The answer first, I told you, it's the, it's the turning point. It's, it's not life as usual after this. It was the point where after Lazarus, then the word spread. This is why on Palm Sunday, like they kind of alluded to, all the crowds were gathered because they had heard about the miracle. It's an amazing thing that, because it, it wasn't like instantaneous crowds. It was a miracle of Lazarus that really turned the corner. And so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. 
that was because of what he did with, with Lazarus. So it's, that's why it's important, just to know it historically. Secondly, the example of Thomas. I, I don't know how you feel, but when I, when I think of Thomas, I go, wait a minute, this is the same guy who couldn't believe. This is the same guy who was doubting. But if for, for his lack of faith or his lack of belief, how loyal was he? He went with Jesus even though, even though it meant he was going to die. Even though he said, let us go that we may die with him. Or as I put it, let's go die. And the example of that is, is kind of frightening to me because I, I find myself questioning my, I want to be like that. I, want, I don't want sacrifice to get in the way of me following. If Jesus is going somewhere and leading me, I want to follow him. And I want to be like Thomas. I want to be that loyal. I'd like to have a little better theology and a little more faith than he had at a certain point. But but I don't know if I will, but I want to at least be that loyal to say I'm not going to hold on to this life, these things. I'm going to let go to follow you. The third reason is pretty fresh for me right now. We are all Mary and Martha. And here's what I mean. There's going to come a time when you are standing by someone that you love and they're not there anymore. They're dying or they're dead. And you're going to be standing beside the body. So yesterday, I was with a family from, from our church, um, the Grells, and Sandy has had cancer for some time. And she died last night. But yesterday, I was holding her hand and talking to her. And I was with all her family and all the children. And you would have thought you were in Jerusalem. The wailing was that loud. And only they, they had hope. Not all of them. Some of them have faith. Some of them don't have faith yet. Some of them are struggling with it. And we stood around, and I, and I said, they said, Doug, would you pray? I said, of course I'll pray. I'll pray, you guys. I, I know Sandy's faith. Sandy, I've had this conversation. I have hope for Sandy. I know her, and I, and I know Sandy was actually hearing. She, wasn't, she couldn't talk, but she was hearing. And I said, but before we do that, I want each of you to tell her what you're thankful for about her life because she knows she's dying right now. There's no, no mystery here. And, and, and it was so hard, but it was so good. And I said, guys, as we pray, I pray with hope. I don't pray with hope because death without hope is worthy of the tears of Jesus. It's the one time in Scripture you read them up and crying is because people are doing death without hope. But we don't have to grieve that way. We are people, if we know Christ, we can grieve of course we're sad, but we can grieve with hope. This story, if you can put it in your heart and just go, oh, we're all going to be Mary and Martha. We're all going to be standing beside someone we love. And it's at that point we have to reach in and find that hope and that faith to get us through it. And the So we're all Mary and Martha. And then the last one is this. We're all going to be Lazarus. Every single one of us is going to have a time when we're sick or we get in an accident we just get old enough, whatever it is. And we're going to be the dead guy or the dead woman. The question is, have we embraced Jesus? Because Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. That's awesome. But he said, the one who believes in me, the one who trusts in me, the one who, who bets the farm on me, they'll live even though they die. Even though we're going to be Lazarus, we get to live. 
this is this is this is our hope, but we have to embrace this gift of God. The El Moody said that um, used to speak. He's an evangelist. He used to say, he, he's long gone, by the way. He used to say, um, someday you're going to read in the newspaper that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe it? He said, on that day when you read that, I will be more alive than I've ever been. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he's embraced the forgiveness of God. And, and, and we don't like to use, you know, think about our deaths. We don't like to leverage that too much here. You, you know, you're probably not going to die on the way home tonight. I don't want to scare you or anything like that. But, but the fact of the matter is, we're all Lazarus. The fact of the matter is, we are going to die. And Jesus didn't shy away from the topic. He embraced it and said, come on, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the one who's been sent. I'm going to die on the cross for you, for your sins, so you can be right with God and do eternity alive. So we're all going to be Lazarus. And the question I think each of us has to ask ourselves is, do I believe? Do I believe? Or is this it? And I can't answer that question for you. I, I can't twist your arm into it. If I could, I would. I can't. There are loved ones for you. If you, if you, if you go, I don't know about that one yet. I'm not sure if I believe. I, no, I don't believe. I'm telling you there are people praying for you and who love you who desperately want you to believe, but the ball is totally in your court. God does not force himself on you. You have to embrace it. But know the situation. There will come a day when when death is certain. The only question is, will there be hope? Will there be faith? Will there be a future? So those are are them. I want to read you the epilogue. Because the epilogue is just kind of fun. We finished John chapter 11. Let's just read chapter 12. This is Palm Sunday. And the big question was, will Jesus come into Jerusalem? Because Palm Sunday was like just the day before um, Pentecost. I know. Help me out. Passover. Passover, thank you. And and so Jesus is supposed to go to Jerusalem like every good Jew for Passover. Will he come? Will he come? And he does. And that's Palm Sunday when he comes in. So it says, when all the people of Jerusalem heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. Because Lazarus was with him. Right? The man that Jesus had raised from the dead, dead man walking, dead man, why well, see dead people? Right? All that kind of stuff was going on, right? So there he is. And then I love this next line. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Man. For it was because of him that many people had deserted them, the Pharisees, and believed in Jesus. My first thought is, poor Lazarus. Right? They're going to kill him again. My second thought is, wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be cool if what was said about Lazarus, because of him, many people had deserted the wrong way, the false way, and believed in Jesus. Many people changed their mind about where they were going with their lives and believed in Jesus. Wouldn't it be cool if that was true of me? Wouldn't that be cool if when you get to the end of your life, that was true of you, because of you? Wouldn't that be awesome if because of our church, Many people change their minds. 
and believed in Jesus. Let's pray. God, as we enter the season of, of eventual celebration, we don't want to miss the journey. And we don't want to miss the lessons of the journey of, that you took to the cross. Jesus, you saw a world without hope, a world where death was the only ending. And you brought the resurrection of Lazarus, and more importantly, you brought your death, your resurrection, and you brought the resurrection to us that we can live in that hope if we believe, if we trust you, if we receive you. So Jesus, maybe there's someone here tonight who needs to do that just to pray. Jesus, I receive you. I want you to be the forgiver of my sin. I want to follow you. I don't want to miss out. I want you to be my coach and my leader in this life. And God, there's probably some of us who've been walking a different direction and tonight we know we need to come back to draw close to you again. And then God, would you take our lives, would you take this church, and would you change many minds, many hearts, many souls from, from going in all kinds of directions, instead believe and follow you. We pray this in, in your name, in your will. Amen.